Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. That was buttery smooth. Oh, yeah? I think that's the best we've done the intro in a while, at least for me. For you? (laughs) Yeah, for me, I didn't have any hiccups. I'm always golden. Okay. I mean, yeah. (laughs) It's just that, you know, when we succeed, we succeed together. And when we fail, I fail on my own. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'll drink to that. Okay. We're ha- it's another Schmanners. After- I was about to say after dark, but it's kind of like Schmanners dusk. Because <laughs> uh, one child is in bed and the other one, you may hear quietly in the background jumping on her trampoline. And we're here to bring you another amazing biography episode of a piece of history that perhaps you've never heard about before. But you should have. And I know we've been doing a lot of biographies lately. And that's not because we don't enjoy taking questions. It's because these people are necessary. Right. They are people that I didn't know about. And I want everyone else to know about so that you can know about them. Right. Sometimes Schmanners is about going on an in-depth dive of like a piece of, you know, manners or culture that we take for granted. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's about like expanding the... Expanding the understanding Yeah. Oh, I like it. Thank Expand you. the understanding. Expanding the understanding. Nice. Um, and so we've got another biography of someone you, I'm going to bet, haven't heard of because I have not heard of them. And I'm very excited. Once more, can I tell you another thing? Yeah. I love these biographies because I usually get a little bit emotional by the <laughs> end. And I learn about somebody cool that I didn't know about before. Indeed. So we are talking today about Jane Boleyn. Okay. When I first read this name. You thought I, of Anne Boleyn. I thought of Anne Jane Seymour. And oh. I was like, what? And you just combine the two. These are two different white ladies. That's I don't true. know anything about a I Jane Boleyn. I knew named Jane Maudlin who oh. did community theater with me back in, Cincinnati, and back in Huntington. And I thought, it's probably not her, right? Probably not. Okay. The first black female judge in the United States. Wow. Jane Boleyn. Okay, now here's a tricky game. This is a dangerous game I'm going to play. Okay. I'm going to guess what year she was born. Okay. With the only piece of information being that she was the first female black judge in the United States. Yes. I'm going to say that she was born in 1895. No. Oh boy. What was it? A little later. Just Nin- a little later. 1910. Little earlier. 1905. 1908. Okay. I wasn't that far off. I was so afraid it was going to be like, no, it was 1953 <laughs> or something. Uh, so Jane Matilda Boleyn was born on April 11th, 1908, to Matilda Ingram Every and Gaius C. Boleyn. Those are both incredible names. And they were an interracial couple. Okay. Living in Poughkeepsie, New York. That and is one of those uh, city names, by the way, that I love, where all the letters in it don't look like they should sound like they do. It's one of you the get, ones you need to know. Yeah. You get a lot of those uh, in England. We don't have as many here. But Definitely. Poughkeepsie is The one. Shears and the Shires and the... Albuquerque. Or Albuquerque is a fun one. Doesn't look, there's a great line in Titanic the musical where she says, Albert Q. Q. This is wonderful. <laughs> Anyways, Worcester also. Worcester. Mm. Yeah. Hurricane. 
in West Virginia. Let's just name some re- really okay, great. Okay, no. <laughs> Okay. Um, and uh, it has been argued that she was born a lawyer. Uh, that would be, be incredible. Because her a little father- little barrister wig. A little <laughs> they don't wear barrister wigs in the U.S. No, not, I know. Not I know even that. in I, 1908. I live here, too. You know that. But I, it's, I guess I could have said a little briefcase. That would have been better. Maybe. Little briefcase, little gavel, little rubber gavel that squeaks when he has. Lawyers them. don't have the gavels. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> okay, her father was a black lawyer who headed the Dutchess County Bar Association, who Bolin spent a lot of time with in his office, especially after her mother passed away when she was young. Oh, yeah. And so here's the thing: I, I would say that he is described as being honest with her about the pain he felt in his line of work. He never really shied away from the upsetting matters of the world. And there are a lot of upsetting mm. matters in the world. And I have to imagine, especially in super early 1900s, mm-hmm. for a young black girl uh, from an interracial family, right. it has to be a lot of pains in the world. Yeah. He uh, he wanted to spare her some of this pain and even discouraged her from pursuing a law career mm. uh, because he didn't want his daughter to deal with, quote, the most unpleasant and sometimes grossest kind of human behavior. Mm. But she did anyway. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously he was great at his job, right? Yeah. And it's so inspiring as a young person to see your parents like be there in the room. Mm-hmm. And and I know that you and and your father you butt heads against going to going the um going into the radio? In no no no, the on what's it called where you would go someplace and do a remote. A remote, yeah, yeah. 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 You tell those stories about how oh, he no, would it, always okay. wanted to do that and you were like, I don't want to go. It's not because my dad wasn't good at remotes. A remote is where you go and broadcast live from somewhere. It's because they are incredibly boring. Oh. You go and sit at like a car lot or some car dealership and you sit there at a table and people come and go, are you giving away that new Tim McGraw? And then maybe there's a free hot dog or something, but Nothing, literally nothing happens. It's usually but do you feel like perhaps you were inspired? I was inspired by my dad for the actual job that he did, not remotes. But like when he, when radio was, um, there was, uh, he did the morning shout. It was like a four hour. And this is like, uh, like late 80s, early 90s, where the morning show that they did was like comedy sketches and character work and parody songs that they wrote. And, and like, live, and right? Like, yeah, Most and of it live. call-in games and all that stuff, not just like, I'm going to play 10 songs and then talk for 30 seconds and play 10 songs. Mm-hmm. And so I actually grew up for a long time saying I wasn't going to do radio, specifically not because... I didn't like what my dad did, but because I saw what my dad did being phased out. And I was like, I don't want to just be someone who sits and presses go on a board. Because video killed the radio star. And then internet killed the radio star. No, And then movies killed the the radio star. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, everything just kept killing the radio star over and over again. Right. Um, But she did follow in her father's footsteps. Bolin was known to be an incredible student. Um, even managing to graduate high school when she was just 15 years Whoa. old. That's awesome. That's like some Doogie Hauser stuff, that right? Indeed some Doogie Hauser stuff. That was a good show, right? Anyway. I don't know. I don't think I ever watched it. Really? Yeah. We're taking a lot of tangents. I want to focus on Jane. Sorry. 
She went on to enroll at Wellesley College as a young black woman in the 20s. I think it's Wells. Wellesley? I don't know. Not the no, one. you're right. It's Wellesley. Wellesley. Another one. Doesn't look like it sounds. Okay, go on. Anyway, her experience was really not that great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I was kind of expecting that. Yeah. So there were only two other black students at the college. They were made to room together and forced to live off campus. Oh, boy. She would later say of this time as, quote, my college days were for the most part evoke sad and lonely personal memories. In fact, she talked about a time where she told one of her advisors that she wanted to be a lawyer, and his response was that she should give up. Cool. Great, 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 Good work, advisor. But... She persevered. She applied to Yale. I mean, in secret, because obviously her advisors were not, like, into it, right? Yeah. Um, And in 1928, with a Bachelor of Arts degree with an uh, academic recognition as well, uh, she was named a Wellesley Scholar and given the distinction of being in the top 20 students in her class. Nice. Okay. And shortly after graduating, she applied and was accepted to Yale Law School, which, again— was unheard of for a black woman in the 20s, 30s. Okay. Must have been uber qualified, huh? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. So awesome. Um, she, again, was a, one of three women studying in the whole institution. Boy. There's, there's probably a lot. There's probably a lot of people in the Yale Law School. Oh, yeah. At least, I would say at least 10. Yeah, more than that. Maybe even 15. Um, And she was the only black woman. And so one of the things uh, that Alex very painfully details in her research was that it became the norm for people at the school to taunt her by slamming classroom doors right in her face. Oh, man. Can you, like... It's probably not a surprise to anyone that there isn't a lot of records and, like, research that you can do for this kind of um, immense achievement by a black woman. But to have that be, like, one of the defining characteristics of their law school. Literally doors being slammed in the Literally doors. Yeah. That's, it's heartbreaking. It's something I think about a lot, stuff like that, when people talk about, like, you know, bullying's just a part of, like, school experience or whatever. It's like, no, but it doesn't mean to be. Because right. someone could have stepped in and said, hey, don't do that. Yeah, totally. If you do that again, you don't get to go to school here anymore. And so, despite the bullying, she graduated from Yale in 1931, thus becoming the first African-American woman to earn a law degree from that institution. At 23. At 23. It's amazing. And because these things come back to haunt people. She then bought Yale. No, one oh. of the people that used to slam doors in her face became an active member of the American Bar Association and actually reached out to her later in life to see if she could speak before his bar group. And she told him to not let the door hit him on the way out. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Good for her. We're going to talk more about this. But first, a thank you note for our sponsor. Sponsor. 
first, we want to write a thank you note to She's Birdie. Before you leave the house, you do the checklist for your phone, keys, wallet, and it's time to add one more thing before you walk out that door. Birdie is the newest essential addition to your routine. Birdie is a personal safety alarm that is easy to carry and simple to use. When activated, the alarm will emit a loud siren and flashing lights to deter an attack. Birdie is no danger to you, so you can feel confident using it, and it comes in fun colors, so you'll actually want to carry it. Buy your Birdie today for a safer tomorrow. Now, She's Birdie is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase when you go to She's Birdie, S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash schmanners. That's She's Birdie dot com slash schmanners for 15% off. And we also want to say thank you to Libby. Schmanners is sponsored in part by Libby. Libby is a free reading app created by Overdrive that lets you borrow ebooks and audiobooks from your library on your phone, tablets, Kindle, or computers. And all you need is a valid library card from your library. This is especially amazing now when, you know, we, we still are not safe going out, hanging out with people. And I miss the library so much, especially with a kid in the house, now two kids in the house. We used to go to the library all the time, and gosh darn it, do we miss it. And even if you don't have a library card currently, you can read samples of any books you see. Oh, and I'll also tell you, a lot of times you can sign up for a library card online these days without even going to the library. Libby works just like your physical library. You simply borrow available books you want to read, and then they return themselves automatically after your loan expires. So download Libby in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store to start borrowing and sampling eBooks and audiobooks today. That's L-I-B-B-Y in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. We also have a very special Jumbotron here. Uh, Adam, since releasing our first album as Decoupler, D-E-C-O-U-P-L-R, I am so impressed by our teamwork. Creating musical computational glimmer has been so fun, especially with a partner so thoughtful and encouraging. I can't believe Digital Bonfire, that's the name of the album, is here. Thank you for bringing so much joy and adventure into my life. Someday I'll show you Cincinnati and its legendary chili, but living in Philly feels more like home with you. I love you. You all should check out, this is me, Travis, now. Check out the album Digital Bonfire by Decoupler, D-E-C-O-U-P-L-R, no E. It's available on Spotify, Apple Music, and all streaming platforms now. Make sure you check it out one more time, Decoupler without an E. Or... You can go get it all at decouplermusic.com. Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say? It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They reviewed TNG... DS9 and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. Well, if she enjoys that and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Why, I oughta... Well, gotta go. Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today. Now she has her law degree. Right. She's 23. 
Yes. She's got her degree at 23. Mm-hmm. Now what? Well, she's still a woman in society. So She's got a degree at 23, but she's still a woman in society. Uh-oh. I'm a regular Linjamin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> so she moved back home and clerked at her father's law practice, passing the bar exam for New York in 1932. And then she married a fellow attorney, Ralph E. Mitzel, and the couple relocated to New York City. New so, York City? I'm not saying that, obviously, this woman, she could make it on her own. There, There is no doubt. But having the constraints of society at the time, I'll forgive that she went home and got married. Well, you know, you can have it all. Um, no, that all is a myth. Okay, you can have everything you want. Mm. You can have some of what you want. Without having to give up all of what you want. How about okay, that? all right. There we go. I, I also think, you know, probably maybe, I will say this as someone who appreciates the support I get at home. Probably hard yeah, going out okay. there. It's nice to have somebody in your corner, you know? So she and and her new husband both hit the ground running in New York City. Uh, they opened their own law practice. And as the 30s wore on, she worked a lot. She campaigned for a state assembly seat. But when that didn't work out, she took on an assistant corporate counsel work for New York City. Again, breaking another barrier because in 1937, her official title was Assistant Corporation Counsel for the City of New York, serving on the Domestic Relation Court. And she was the first black woman to hold that position. So many firsts for this great lady. Yeah. Okay, what I'm about to say is so silly and obvious, but I still need to say it, right? Because it's something I think about Especially, now, I mean, even nowadays, right, where we still haven't had our first female president. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Where I think about if you are the first in something, how many times throughout your life must you have encountered someone who goes, I don't even think that's possible. Like, exactly. not, not like you specific person can't do it, but like, I don't think it's possible for that to happen. Right. Not that you aren't qualified, not that you aren't smart enough, not that you aren't good enough, but I don't even know that anybody is because nobody's done it before. It is simply not done. Right. And then to think like, no, 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 I will. I will. It, it's it's going to, don't worry. Like, it's just so amazing. Um. So in this position, she was to represent petitioners who could not afford their own lawyer. Um. So obviously, like... She took on some pretty heartbreaking cases. Yeah. Right. Side note: domestic relation court is now known as family court. Right? Oh yeah, it's got to yeah. be a tough one, huh? Yeah, it's it's not easy. And so, in 1939, Mayor Fiorella Laguardia recognized the name. He built the airport, or the airport was named after <laughs> that was his house. Oh, and was then when it? He died. They said <laughs> they already have the runways. This must be the new airport, Laguardia. Yeah. yeah actually asked to to meet her at the World's Fair on July 22nd. Now, if you were asked by the mayor to meet them at a specific place, at a specific time, on a specific day, well, what would you think was happening? 
Um, what would I, Travis yeah, uh, McElroy, sure, think was happening? Sure, what would you, Travis McElroy, think was Here's happening? the sad thing. I immediately thought that I was going to be assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not it. It's probably not it, but she did think she was going to be fired uh, from her from her city I job. Guess it just, right? I think if my boss was going to fire me and he basically said, let's go to the carnival, <laughs> that'd be a weird way to do it. Unless I, it was like I suppose. they're stepping onto the Ferris wheel as they fire you, like, you're fired, bye! And then suddenly they're up in the air so they don't have to see you anymore. Yeah. Um, I actually would do that. Now that I've said that out loud, <laughs> that's not a bad plan. It's not a bad plan? You're fired, but... Here's some cotton candy. Okay. But no, 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 no. Not being fired. In fact, he was there to give her a high honor. So he wanted her there to appoint her publicly as a judge for the domestic <gasps> relation court. So before, she had been assistant corporation counsel for the city of New York. And now she became the first African-American woman judge judge, first African-American woman judge in the history of the United States. Wow. And she was only 31 years old. Wow. Wow. This is the part where, um, insert uh, Teresa's rage of not knowing any of this. Right. Why? That's not, it's just not fair. Why aren't there like 5,000 things named after her? I know, right? I don't understand. Okay. <sighs> So, this is at 31. At 31. Blowing my mind. The time left to accomplish things is blowing my mind. Indeed. Um, so, let's, let's paint this picture a little bit. Paint it for me, baby. In 1939, in this point in American history, women had only been legally allowed to vote for 20 years. And that was just white women. Yeah. Right? Some black women could vote, but things like voter suppression and violence and often met them if they tried. And Asian citizens would not be allowed to vote for 13 more years. Wow. I'm blown away, really. At this point, you you think that she could just like... Do some laurel resting? <laughs> put her feet up and be like... I'm the judge. Rest right? on your laurels. That's yes. another one. That's another idiom. That's an idiom for okay. sure. That's an idiom, folks. <laughs> I listen, I know idioms at this point. Okay. But she was great at her job. She was so great. She was an an incredible judge for family court, often speaking directly to the victims who are often children. Mm. And she kind of like pioneered this idea that that the judge should be like approachable as a as an advocate for justice. Yeah. And so she didn't wear traditional judge robes. She wore normal clothes to try and make sure that the the people who were in her courtroom were comfortable. Yeah, to humanize herself. That's great. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I have only ever once had to appear before a judge mm -hmm. and it was for a noise violation fine. And he was so mean to me and yelled at me. I was 21 years old. And all I could think is, this guy really is enjoying having all this power over me and yelling at me. And like, it was not very nice. It made me very sad. I was very scared at the time. Mm -hmm. And he very clearly was having a great time. I watched him also grill this woman before me because she had like this huge fine um, for like serving uh, someone underage alcohol at a restaurant. And she was like, they had an ID. I checked the ID. The ID was fake. I didn't know. And like he was really very much enjoying 
cracking down on her and making her sweat and being mean to her. It was just uh, having this idea of an approachable judge would have been nice. Yeah, it would have been nice. So not only was she a, an advocate for these children, especially, um, this wasn't the only place where she made a difference. Uh, she was the legal advisor to the National Council of Negro Women, as well as serving on the boards of the NAACP, the National Urban League, and the Child Welfare League. So she would receive honorary degrees from Tuskegee, Williams College, Hampton University, Western College for Women, and Morgan State University. Wow. Her work with children and her community was so prolific that she caught the attention of Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. I've heard of her, yes. The two collaborated to provide support for the Whistlick School, which was a comprehensive, holistic program designed to help young men. Uh, the goal was to eradicate juvenile crime by showing young men an alternative way to build their lives. Okay. Did I mention that she was also a single mom at this point. What? What happened to her? Yeah, what? well, unfortunately, her husband passed away in 1943, four years after Bolin's uh, judicial appointment and two years after the birth of their son, oh. York. Yeah. Well, that is uh, sad. But yes. also, another impressive thing. Once again, you don't need to do these things to be impressive. I want to make that clear. Yes, of course. She is clearly impressive in her own right in a lot of different ways, right? You don't need to keep adding things on. You don't need to prove strength of character in order to be impressive. That said, as you add elements in, it makes the story I think it makes the story uh more frustrating that we haven't heard about it, right? Exactly. Cuz here's this clearly this pillar of like the things that can be done and the things that were done exactly in the face of adversity experiencing her own challenges yeah and it not being hailed as a a story worth being told to young people okay so i am sitting here and i'm inspired by it and good. i am neither a, a woman uh i am not a person of color i am have no law aspirations whatsoever and I'm sitting here inspired. So imagine what an impact mm -hmm. this would have on young women of color who had aspirations for... Ugh. I know. I know. Bolin served four executive terms as a judge and then reached her term limit. Mm -hmm. um, and she was reluctant to retire, but... Again, who could contain her activism, right? Indeed. Um, she officially retired in 1979 when she was 70, um, but was not done at all being, like you said, a pillar of her community. Uh, she volunteered as a reading instructor for NYC public schools. She did that for a couple years, and then she served on the bo state board of regents as a reviewer for disciplinary cases. She continued to work with the NAACP and the National Urban League and the Child Welfare League to ensure the safety of children, no matter their ethnic background. Incredible. I know, right? She was 70 years old when she was, like, embarking on her second career, right? I, there is just something about somebody who's like, I'm not done. I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm just going to keep doing stuff. And here's what I really love. The, the, the thing that got me in there was as a reading instructor. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when you go from being, like, a circuit court judge... Um, and having like what I imagine is a very illustrious career 
and you feel like you could you know make a ton on like lecture circuit you could like just kind of go speak at any college you want to you could be a pillar of society as you said and it's like what do you want to do and it's like i want to help kids learn to read yeah. and that just oh the idea of that she sounds very amazing yes after a lifetime of groundbreaking achievements and community service she passed away on Monday, January 8th, 2007 in New York City. She was 98 years old. What? And left behind her loving son and a granddaughter and a great-granddaughter. She was, what? 2007? Yeah, what? I know. I never would have guessed that in a million years. I, okay, I was way, I was not way off on her birthday, but when you were like, yeah, 1969, and she was 70, I was like, oh, okay, we're nearing. <laughs> I told you, her second career, basically. And then it's like, oh, no, 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 it went like another <laughs> 28 years. Yeah. Wow. Her obituary did appear in the New York Times, and it really is lovely. Please go look it up. It is, it's it's just a a great tribute um, to not only like her community service, which we've mentioned, but also the type of person that she was. It's mentioned uh, that she was frequently in the news for her fashion, her hats, her <gasps> pearls, her general regal way of carrying Ooh. herself. Um, it also covers her tenacity and constant work for social change, um, including in her own hometown. Uh, apparently, one time she was visiting in uh, 1944, and, you know, think about it. She was already a judge at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, and she started fighting for desegregation of schools and help from the government and for hospitals in her hometown. And she's quoted in the Poughkeepsie New Yorker saying, Poughkeepsie is fascist to the extent of deluding itself that there is superiority among human beings by reasons solely of color, race, or religion. Boom. Boom. Yeah. That's a lady who knows what's right. That just made me tear up again. That was just great. You're going to need to drink some water. You're going to get dehydrated. I'm just... You know, the world is... This is a somewhat universal thing, right? And it's that scary, bad stuff sells papers, right? Yeah. For lack of a better thing, right? And so it's wild to me that when you have a story like this and a story that we have come uh, come across many, many times now in Schmanners, where it's like, here's a story you haven't heard. And it's like, yeah, hey, this is something that makes people would make people feel good mm -hmm. about the possibility for change and growth and the ability to rise above and like and then you don't yeah. hear about you it. don't hear about it it's very frustrating uh she did not uh drift away into obscurity um today she and her father are featured prominently in a mural at the Dutchess County Courthouse in Poughkeepsie, which is the same place where mm. she and her father spent most of their time as, uh, as she was a young girl. Um, also, the school district named a building for her. Um, and countless black and female judges have cited her as the inspiration for their careers. Amazing. There was a 2017 bill introduced to New York State Assembly to rename the Queens Midtown Tunnel as the Jane Bolin Tunnel. Um, and in 2011, a biography was published on her career titled Daughter of the Empire State, The Life of Judge Jane Boleyn by Jacqueline A. McLeod. 
for the University of Illinois Press. And so I here's the thing, right? Alex made a special mention that in researching this topic, there really isn't a lot, mm. right? Just like Ada McKinley, right? Yeah. And so please, Schmanners, read her obituary and her biography and tell your friends and make a YouTube video and like, yeah. you know, uh, like tell anyone who will listen about the amazing things this person did in their life. That is, I will say that that is kind of the uh, silver lining, the upshot of being frustrated that these stories right. have not been told up till now. We live in an unprecedented time of access to creating your own content. So we are able to talk about these stories on Schmanners. You can talk about these stories in whatever venue. We, you don't have need to have a publisher. You don't need to have a production company. You don't need to have these things right. to be able to tell people these stories. Um, that is the upshot, I think, of all of this. And that being said, I just want to say thank you to everybody who listens to our show mm-hmm. when we talk about these things. Uh, I get pretty passionate hearing them. Hopefully you feel the same way and go out and tell other people about them. Um, we want to say- Because these people shape our world. Right. Right? That's the thing. And if, that's we ignore, why... if we ignore the impact, if we ignore their contributions, that's how we backslide into right. things going back to being worse. And we feel comfortable talking about biographies like this because this is the world we live in and that's what manners are about, right? Right. So right. that's how we do how it. Think about how different the world would be mm-hmm. without Jane Boleyn, right? Like just- Thinking about having a a judge who wants to be humanized to help the people, right? Somebody who breaks barrier after barrier when she easily could have stopped. Somebody who, when she could have been done, said, I want to teach kids how to read. Yeah. Right? How different would the world be without her? Right? And it's a name that we should know. We should. Um, I want to say thank you uh, to Maximum Fun. Uh, our podcast home. Thank you to you, Max Fund supporters and our listeners. Um, I'm very excited to say, so we do a thing for our McRoy family where every month we do a special pin, pen of the month, and then the uh, proceeds from that, selling that on our merch store, benefit uh, a, a charitable cause or an organization. So the pin this month is a Schmanner's pin. Uh, it's sausage to me, and it's really cute. And it benefits Feeding Texas, uh, the largest hunger relief organization in Texas. And currently, their network is supporting warming shelters for the unhoused, as well as those without power and water, in addition to replacing perished food and feeding Texans in need. So make sure you check that out. Uh, There's also an empty bowl pin there uh, designed by Samuel Reardon. Teresa is a big fan of the empty bowl, so we'll probably have to get one of those. Uh, (laughs) And a uh, 20 Big Dog Run pin designed by Mel Westfall. 20 Big Dog Run is the nickname Justin Griffin and I gave 2021. 2021, 20 Big Dog Run. Say it right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We get it. We're doing an Adventure Zone uh, live show today on the the 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's virtual and interactive, which means there will become moments where you all will get to uh, decide what the players do. Uh, you can get tickets for that at live.themacroy.family. Uh, oh, and we're playing Honey Heist with special guest Erica Ishii. Uh, I started a Twitch channel. So if you're like interested in that, it's twitch.tv slash the Travis It's pretty chill. I'm very nice. Lots of chill pickles. Lots of chill pickles. Um, 
And if you're a fan of The Adventure Zone, uh, you can go uh, pre-order The Adventure Zone Crystal Kingdom. Uh, It's our next installment in our graphic novel series. It's going to come out July 13th, uh, but you can pre-order it now at theadventurezonecomic.com. Who else do we think? We want to thank Alex for her her tireless uncovering of these obscure topics that we want to highlight. Thank you, Alex. We also always thank Brent, Brent of Lost Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. We also thank Kayla and Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. That is at SchmannersCast. And when we take questions for specific topics, that's where we get them from. So go ahead and follow us there. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Go ahead and join that group if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans. Uh, Please continue to submit your topics and your idioms to schmannerscast at gmail.com. That's where we get them all. And Alex reads every one. Let's see. That's it for me. I think that's it. So uh, join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.